Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. All right, today on Lulz, we have a very fun show. Underdog CEO Jeremy Levine is going to be joining us shortly to talk about an ongoing legal battle that's starting to play out in back rooms years after Underdog and Jeremy have helped, um, you know, the sports betting industry and the fantasy industry kind of find some some footing to be able to perform in these states. Now, all of a sudden, DraftKings and FanDuel are lobbying against them. And so we're going to talk about what's going on there, what Underdog's plan of attack is going to be and things that you guys can do as well in this new competitive sports betting and fantasy landscape. Let's do it. I, does he think? I it's think he thinks go. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS cats pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. <laughs> Please don't do bus. All right, it is Lulz. I'm Pete Overzet, joined by my co-host, Brian Hooper, a.k.a. Brick75. And Brian, I want to say, was this last week on Thursday? I mean, we didn't have a show last week. Maybe it was a day before, but there was a day where everything was going down on Twitter. We had Jeremy tweeting. We had Jason Robbins tweeting. All of this stuff blowing up. Do, do you remember what the impetus was for all the uh, activity specifically? Uh, I think it was just Jeremy's tweet. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone in chat could say it was like the day before our show too, which sucks because yeah. <laughs> then we can't talk about it. Yeah, there was some juicy stuff last week, but what are you going to do? We missed it. I know we missed it, but uh, basically what happened, yeah, Jeremy put out uh, a tweet thread about some dynamics that are, are going on and, you know, uh, went out of his way to mention FanDuel and DraftKings specifically, he said they want to take that all away from you. You should know what they're trying to do. That ended up inducing a tweet from Jason Robbins, who said, you know, DraftKings is welcoming competition, but, you know, Jeremy's going to come on here in a second and uh, actually he's here right now. Let's bring Jeremy on. Jeremy, how you doing? Fellas, what's going on? Very right, I was just setting the table from last week's uh, Twitter dust up. I assume you had quite the the day on Twitter. What was it like last Wednesday or so? Last Wednesday, yep. 
so what was the what was the impetus for your tweet? Because I think the tweet is what kind of set off all the conversation. Jason Robbins, you know, weighing in. I assume you had been thinking about making this post for a while. Yeah, of course, of course. It's something we've been we've been thinking about for a while. Um, so the backstory is, for the last year or so, um, FanDuel and DraftKings have been been kind of working in back rooms, right, using the lobbyists they've hired over the years, the political contributions they've made, the money and power and influence they have to try to limit choice in fantasy, right? And to try to get rid of the pick and format. Um, they are telling regulators that the pick and format isn't legal when they know well that it is. Um, and they're doing that to remove competition um, because we prize pick sleeper. Um, we're, we're not only catching them, I mean, us and prize picks are bigger than them in fantasy. And they know we're not stopping there. Um, so they've made this conscious choice to try to slow down competition because they can't compete with us on product and innovation and for the customers. Um, and they're doing that in, in a way that we don't think is just or fair or right. And honestly, it's pretty ironic given what they went through in 2015. Um, and so we just wanted to get out there and make it very clear to our customers and to the people in the space that we follow the laws and we abide by those laws. And wanted to make sure that whenever we get questions, we have the answers right there, right? And talk about why it's legal. Um, and, and we get to have those discussions with regulators rather than just FanDuel DraftKings having them. Just so people understand the stakes, like, uh, you know, if FanDuel and DraftKings get their way, like it, what, is our pick'em game shut down? Like how soon? Like how quick could that happen if they, if their, you know, backroom machinations come to, come to pass? Look, it's a, it's a state-by-state issue. Um, and you've seen kind of, different versions of it in different states. There's some states where pick isn't allowed because of things in the state law. Um, on some of those, it's because of kind of FanDuel and DraftKings success they've already had in lobbying, right? This is something we as just over a three-year-old company, like we've been working on getting stronger at over the last year to make sure that we can defend what's in our consumer's interest. But they've, been, they've spent so much money over the last eight, nine years on this that they have a lot of power there. Um, again, political contributions, lobbyists in every single state. Um, but we, so it's a state by state issue, right? In some States, like we get the question all the time, like from people in Pennsylvania or Michigan, why can't we play pick them or why can't we play underdog? And unfortunately it's because of the state laws there. And that sucks. We're not able to offer our, our games to the customers there. Um, there's other States and North Carolina is a great example. North Carolina passed legislation this year, um, sports betting legislation. And just like in every state that has passed sports betting legislation, in the sports betting le legislation, they specifically carved out fantasy sports and said, if something is a fantasy game, it is therefore not sports betting and it is allowed. And in their state, like in many others, for something to be a fantasy game, it's got to be three core things. It's got to be one, a game of skill. Two, based on accumulated player statistics. Three, from more than one real world team. Right? Our games fit that to a T and explicitly the pick'em format is going to be allowed and continue to be allowed in North Carolina now that they pass legislation. So there you have legislators deciding affirmatively, yes, we want this game in our state. Now, FanDuel and DraftKings, they didn't want that and they were lobbying against that. Ultimately, they didn't succeed. And so it's, it's a state-by-state -state issue. And it like to, for people to understand the progression that's happened, like when you age in that carve out for DraftKings to offer DFS contests and FanDuel stuff, like the pick'em games fall under that same umbrella, that same carve out as fantasy games. They eventually 
ladder up in our offering sports betting, get the licenses, all of that stuff. Underdog, I assume, also has aspirations to get there. And it seems like they're almost trying to pull up the ladder after they climbed up to get to that sports betting thing. Because I assume, too, like your goal is that you don't even have to worry about the distinction between pick them and sports betting because it's just legal everywhere. Totally. So there, look, the way they have passed the laws are specifically to benefit them. There's a reason they've got nearly 80% of the market right now, right? They are monopolies and they're trying to fortify those monopolies. Um, and that's not something new to the leadership there. I mean, look, look at the leader of, um, of FanDuel, look at their CEO. What's the most hated monopoly in America right now? Why can't you get your Taylor Swift tickets? Ticketmaster. She was the president of Ticketmaster before being the CEO of FanDuel, right? Ticketmaster is constantly under question for monopolistic behavior. Um, it's the same thing FanDuel and DraftKings are trying to do here. They're trying to make it so the laws only work for them so that they can have the entire space and they can enhance their bottom line. And you see it in their practice, right? And you see what happens to customers when that's the case. Well, they increase the rake. They limit customers, right? They don't innovate. They're not forced to innovate. And they see the threat where in fantasy, they're losing market share. They've lost a lot of market share. And they know what comes next and that we're going to take that into betting. For us, the reason to go into betting is because the betting regulations allow us to offer more and better experiences to our customers, right? We have to follow the strict regulations within fantasy, right? Where for our pick'em game and for any of the games, it's got to be players and it's got to be based on stats and it's got to be players from multiple teams. It's definitely a better customer experience to offer parlays with all players from the same team and that team winning, right? That's stuff customers want to do. Customers also sometimes want to make a single selection. That's not stuff you can do under fantasy. So we, in going to betting, we get to offer better experiences to the customers. And so that's why we're going to get our betting licenses to be able to continue to offer better games and experiences to sports fans in America. So is the, is the fear too that, before you guys are able to get your licensing to offer that full suite of, of games and sports betting that they will come after pick them. And then you'll be left in this limbo where you don't have the sports betting license and you can't do this thing that you thought you already grandfathered into doing. Yeah. Look, the fear for us always like what we want to do is offer the best experiences we can to our customers. And that's what we focus on, right? That's ultimately, we want to make sure our business incentive aligns with what is best for our customers. And that's the way we've always thought about the games we build at Underdog. And we don't want our ga the games that people love to be taken away from our customers. Yep. Brian, any thoughts? Um, yeah, quite a bit. You know, first of all, I am shocked this is happening, Pete. Um, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm kidding. I've, I've said this is exactly what's going to happen for like four years, but... Um, it's not just gambling uh, industry that does this. It's almost every industry. Um, I mean, that's what hiring lobbyists are there to do for you is, is get preferential treatment for your business or organization. So that's the way it works. Were you there? Like, well, what states are you most worried about, first of all? And then were you guys there when the lobbying was happening initially? Like, were you, were you guys even a company? I don't remember. No. So we, we started underdog in 2020. Okay. I've been building fantasy games since 2009. 
Um, so my whole adult life. I was there in 2015, and my company then draft was third to FanDuel and DraftKings and Fantasy in 2015 when there was that regulatory storm. And like, keep in mind, it was very different. At that time, between November 10th, uh, over the next six months in 2015, early 2016, there were 14 attorney generals who said that real money fantasy sports was illegal. Hmm. That's not what's happening now. That's not what's happening at all now. There are zero attorney generals who have said that any of these formats that pick them are illegal. FanDuel and DraftKings have been trying to put pressure on the regulators and they really haven't been succeeding, right? They've started to get, we got, we got a question from Wyoming. We're now having discussions with Wyoming. We got questions from Maine. We're having discussions with Maine. Um, those are the two states where anything has happened recently in terms of questions from regulators. And um, FanDuel and DraftKings, they, they've been trying. They've been trying for the last year, right, to tell regulators, shut this down, shut this down, shut this down. They, they, it hasn't been working because they're wrong on the letter of the law. And, and sorry, back to where I was earlier from 2015, right, we as an industry all got together to protect fantasy. Um, I was side by side with people from FanDuel and DraftKings, both testifying on the city hall steps um, in New York, right, to make sure fantasy legislation got passed. It ultimately did that clarified the legality of fantasy sports. And that summer, there were eight states that passed legislation. Now, to date, I believe there's 22 states that have passed specific fantasy sports legislation, right? So this question has been answered before. And what's quite ironic is they basically wrote those laws. Now they're just upset that someone's building better experiences within those laws. But they know that we're following the same laws. Have you hired any lobbyists yet? Of course. I mean, we've yeah. had to, unfortunately. Like, this, well, is, yeah. this is something I've, I've learned a lot more about in the last year than I ever thought I would. Um, but yeah, we're making sure that in these states that we're in the rooms to have the conversations. And every time we are, the outcome is the right outcome because we are following the laws. Yeah. In my, sorry, Pete, but in my, in my experience, I, I did work at the Capitol for about seven years here in Illinois. And I know everything or a lot about how these bills got passed. I was in the room at the time and following the law and following the rules, um, they make up the rules if they want. Um, and so like, you know, things can happen pretty fast where that's no longer the rule and they could just change things. And, you know, they're there forever. Um, and in Illinois specifically, I imagine you're going to probably have to think about buying into a casino, uh, land-based casino here in Illinois to like get your, your foot fully locked in to the level they are, because that's, that was the negotiation back then to get them in Illinois. There was like three major, um, parties. There was the land-based casinos who didn't want it, mm -hmm. the DFS guys and the season long guys too. So like mm -hmm. the season long guys actually had lobbyists, um, which was shocking to me who were, who were getting their, their name in there. And then the agreement was DraftKings and FanDuel, et cetera, buy into these land-based casinos in Illinois. And so now it's like DraftKings casino in, you know, Southern Illinois, not just DraftKings. And so that really ups the level of interest legislators have. So like picture, you know, think of yourself as a legislator, you're a senator. Well, now you have a casino that's in your district with thousands of employees who are your neighbors, right? And so these people will knock on your doors. These people will, you know, they're bringing in taxes directly to you. And DraftKings owns that casino or FanDuel owns that casino, whoever owns that casino. And so the pressure from them 
is even higher than this also this motivated reasoning of you know you can you can you could you could think of any um you know you could you could rationalize any of your own behaviors when enough motivations behind it right like you're getting dollars from these people um you know you're getting tax dollars from these people and then you come in a non-illinois based company and i'm not saying i agree with any of this i'm just saying this is how it works and they're like yeah cool story bro like I've got all these, I've got, I've got a relationship with these companies and these lobbyists through their, their friends. They're they you know, a lot of these people are like, it's incestuous. They date each other. They marry each other. They've known each other since they were kids. Their kids know each other. Um, like the, my joke about there's, there's um, about lobbyists is there's two qualifications for being a lobbyist. One, you have to be the son of a lobbyist and two, you have to be an alcoholic. And if you connect those two things, you're probably lobbyist in Springfield right now. So like um, you might like, and I was in the room with Jason Robbins when he was trying to get begging for, you know, the legal legislation, which wasn't happening. And I asked him, I go, what are you going to do if they say no? And he goes, well, we're going to sue him. And so like, you could also try that if they do eventually ban you, I guess, and go through the courts. But like, honestly, I wouldn't hold my breath and you just like have to play the game. Um, and like, like you sending out emails to, to the subscribers and stuff like that and getting phone calls at these places. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. It doesn't cost you much to do that, but don't expect it to, you know, to be like, oh my God, I'm going to have to look into this. It, like, usually it doesn't have as much the effect as you want, but I'm not saying like, don't do it. Like you actually just have to get lobbyists in there and play the game as best you can and uh unfortunately it's not fair and i you know i would want the vast majority of this stuff completely gone but it's just the way it is sorry pete i, I that was a long way to put you were, no. you were going to say something no, no I, I think Jeremy. yeah no i think what's look what, what is quite different and and really familiar with 2015 because I lived it then as well. Like what's very different now is there are laws. There are fantasy sports laws in these states that are very well defined, right? And what's ironic is FanDuel and DraftKings, who in large part wrote those laws, are now pointing back at those laws and saying, oh, wait, they're doing something that we're not doing in those. So we want to shut that down. For us, we follow the letter of the law, right? And we're happy to follow the letter of the law. And that's what we will continue to do, right? And so ideally, yes, the laws reflect what we think is best for customers. And as long as it does, and we can follow the laws, like that's what we want to do, right? We want to build great products for sports fans. And so yeah, that's what I'm hoping mean, continues. I'm telling you, they, they uh, like, so like an example of like one of the agencies I work for, like we had a request to put in an indemnification bonds for out-of-state companies in a specific sector i won't say which mm -hmm. and we got that passed and it's like well why were these bonds required for out-of-state companies because the companies in state wanted a higher burden of entry for companies out of state right. but it's sold as an insurance bond so if the employees get screwed over there's some sort of you know uh recourse for them to get their wages back but really it's about protecting your allies in your districts and so like you could go, hey, the letter of the law is this. And then they can you could also change. You could also pass rules, which, right. you know, law, laws, you can kind of think they're generally very broad when they're passed and then they're passed on to the executive branch and somebody who works at an agency. Oh. Then you, you promulgate rules to actually enact how those laws are uh, administered. 
and regulated. And we, as agencies, we could pass regulations that can affect your, your business without, without legislation. Now an appropriations board can look at that and then maybe not give you funding next year if it's an egregious, um, uh, uh, rule that your agency has passed, but there's like a hundred ways to screw you. You know, I mean, and so like, I know you're following the laws and stuff. I'm just, yep. I'm just like kind of describing how I, how I, my experience in Springfield was, and uh, no like, you know, this is what you can look forward to. Yeah, no, it's look, it's, it's super nuanced state by state here. We're only having this conversation because FanDuel and DraftKings want us to be having this conversation. Right. That's the only reason we're talking about this. Again, you look back in 2015, 16, their attorney generals were coming out and saying this is illegal. Here, that's not happening. Right. The only reason we're talking about the legality of this is because FanDuel and DraftKings want that conversation to be happening. Luckily, FanDuel and DraftKings, they're not so loved by regulators and legislators across the country. Right. They haven't built the best relationships with them. And so we hear very often about, hey, they came in our office and they asked for this. And we said, well, that's ironic. You guys passed these bills and now you're upset someone else is is using them to their advantage. Like. No, you know, and that, that's what we hear more and more. But we, we wanted to really come out aggressively and, and shine a light on it so that customers understood what's happening um, and that this is only being pushed because FanDuel and DraftKings are trying to push it, not specifically because there's attorney generals or lawmakers in states saying anything about it. These games are illegal. It's very, very clear, right? And I just want to say it again because I want people to understand the legality of it. In every single state that has passed sports betting bill, there is specific exemption saying if something is fantasy sports, it is not sports betting. It's not, hey, you can offer this in a sports book, so it must be sports betting. No, you could put salary cap DFS, you could put draft DFS, you could put season long fantasy into a sports book. That wouldn't make all forms of it betting. It's the opposite. If something is not, if, if something is fantasy, it is therefore not betting, right? And to be fantasy, three core things game of skill, accumulated player statistics for more than one team. When you, you talk to hit that, when you talk about like the lobbying going on and the stuff in back rooms, is it really boiled down to just who can spend the most money is going to get their way? Is that just like the 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 dirty kind of secret with it all? We're definitely not spending more money than them. Yeah, and ultimately, I have faith that regulators and legislators ultimately go by what's what's right, 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 what the laws and the intent of the laws are. And when we've been able to have conversations with regulators and explain to them why we follow their laws, they say, okay, you're right, you know, and, and they kind of stiff arm FanDuel and DraftKings in their interest. Um, so a big part of us, again, coming out really vocally about this, just to make sure we're able to have those conversations, right? We welcome and are frequently having conversations with the regulators in states. And there's many regulators. I mean, we have licenses, right? In all the states we operate with fantasy that have licensing requirements, we fulfill those requirements and we are licensed, right? Games are approved. That includes states that offer sports betting where the same regulators regulate sports betting saying this is fantasy, not sports betting. And we're approved and licensed as such, right? Those are the people who are ultimately the decision makers, the arbitrators of what is right here, right? Not FanDuel and DraftKings. It's the regulator who regulates both saying this is fantasy. And so it's very clear. Yet this conversation has kind of spun up Again, because FanDuel drafters are trying to push it. Yeah, and and so like you're getting you're getting phone calls from from who then like the gambling boards of cert, of these two states, uh, or like lobbyists they're call, talking to your lobbyist or what? Yeah, we're I mean look we're very often in different discussions with regulators because again we're licensed by those regulators 
So year over year, we have to submit renewals for our application saying, here's our offering, here's our revenue, here's the taxes we paid you, whatever it is different in every state. And so there's, there's kind of the normal course of action for these discussions. And so we have active relationships with, with regulators in every state in which we operate that have regulatory bodies that regulate fantasy sports. And we're obviously going to get sports betting licenses as well to build. I mean, this is the stuff I enjoy talking about that when I'm on the show next time, hopefully we are talking about is what we're going to build next, right? We're getting betting licenses to build betting products and games that are different from the same old traditional sports book that's been around, taken from the UK and Europe, that FanDuel and DraftKings are kind of just shoving down the throats of Americans. We're going to build better games and experiences for sports fans in America. And so as we're doing that, and as we're going to get licensed, we're of course having conversations with the regulators about that. And we've, we've already got licenses in multiple states for that. And so those products will come next year. So what are the like next or, you know, immediate dominoes to fall? Cause you know, when you do your tweet and you also had a, a blog kind of release that I'll link to in the chat here, the underdogs that kind of outlines everything we're talking about today. I assume the first thing was just getting general awareness, but is there an actual action item for people or things people can do, or are you just trying to get ahead of the narrative kind of, so to speak? Yeah, no, we just wanted to make sure that customers know that this is happening. Right. And, the things FanDuel and DraftKings are doing that are unjust and that we're going to keep on fighting to make sure they have choices and we're going to do everything we can to be the best place for them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, just some simple recommendations from my, my standpoint for the, for the underdog user. Um, like if you are in the district of the Senate president or the speaker of the house uh, of your state, that's a really good call because they have a lot of power. Um, you're a lot of times if you have like a freshman, uh member they really don't know what's going on they don't know anything but it's still i would still even contact them and contact their local office not the capital office usually because the um uh, uh assistant who works there usually is more responsive um and they'll pass it and they're more likely to pass it on and kind of get it in his ear so or her ear so they know what's going on um i mean that's that's what i would do except nebraska they they only have a senate unicameral there but um I, I, you know, I'm just, I, I think this stuff is super interesting. Someone said in chat, I'm being condescending and I have a beef with underdog. I love underdog. <laughs> I mean, we do content on underdog all the time. I don't, I'm, if I have a beef with anyone, it's the regulators. If anyone's watched this show for more than like 15 minutes, uh, I think it's ridiculous um, to try to ban pickums uh, or whatever their overall gameplay is. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm just I'm just describing how I the experience I had and what I like what I would do. And I don't think there's a lot you can do. Like you could bring the awareness, Pete, and like uh, you got to hire a lobbyist. And unfortunately, Definitely. it's going to cost you a lot. And like it's a game like this. It's not about my vote. One vote. Every vote matters or anything we were taught when we were in you know eighth grade. Like it's a it's a big game of power and influence. And um, and you just got to oh. play that game. Yeah, look, I'll, there is. Right now, like there is no next shoe to drop, right? We just wanted people to be aware of what's happening. But one thing that was so honestly, like just so fulfilling and heartwarming is obviously when we came out with, when I put out that Twitter thread and when we came out with the letter, like you hope that, and, and, and I hope that my 14 years in, in this space and, and what we've done in Underdog and the way we try to treat our customers, that people recognize that and that people appreciate us. And it was really heartwarming to see the reaction from our customers. Um, and how much they seem to have our back and really appreciate us and, and what we offer to them. Um, and know this kind of when 
we know that's there now more than ever. And when that is helpful, we will definitely let our customers know what can be helpful, right? If it comes to it and if there's a showdown in a state and if it's helpful that regulator or, or that our customers are emailing the legislators there or the politicians there, like we, we will make sure to fire that up. And based on the reactions we've seen so far, we know we're going to get, depending on the state, thousands, tens of thousands of, of uh, customers who are going to be willing to, to support us and say, hey, we love Underdog. We love the offering. We want to play those games. Um, and that is something that people care about, right? Politicians want to be able to offer their constituents what they want and what they enjoy. And again, for us, it all comes back to our main mission, which is just increase American sports fans' enjoyment with sports and build games to help them do that. What did you... What did you think of Jason's tweet when he kind of, he did his own tweet, wasn't in direct response. I guess we'd call it a subtweet because it was clearly in, in reference to yours. Do you think he'll ever take you up on an offer to do a show or talk about this in the, in the open? Did he tweet something? I didn't, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't see it. Let's I saw see. the competition one, but that was before Jeremy started. That yeah. that was before. Oh, this this was before. Okay, my bad. I didn't know if this one was after. But you did get. Oh, this was the one you quote retweeted with the uh, the LOL though. After so, this tweet says, "As a leader in sports entertainment, DraftKings welcomes competition." And and for you, that's a bold face lie. That's pretty funny. I mean, go go yeah. look at the uh, the quote tweets on on his tweet too. It's, it's pretty funny <laughs> to see our customers kind of calling him out on that. Um, I, I would love to discuss this in public, right? Everything we're trying to do is bring this out into the public eye because they're wrong and they know they're wrong. And we want, like, I'd welcome any debate, right? Like they don't want this to be out in public. It's embarrassing for them. He'd, he'd be a fool to do that uh, in my in my opinion. I know we wanted him on the show, but like I, I, if I was him, I would never do that. Like um, like he's, he's winning. Uh, you know, in this, in this game. And so like, it's like, it only go negatively for him. And also that's like political, you know, politicized speech, the competition thing, you know, you say, you say one thing publicly and do something different privately. It's, it's just, okay. this is just one Oh one. You he know, just, I, I mean, he, knows honestly, he, he knows he's wrong. Right. And that they yeah, don't want to talk about this know. in public. He would not, they, they've made it, they've made a conscious decision to try to, slow competition so that they don't have to compete with us. Yeah. Not only in fantasy, but in betting going forward. And they've made a very conscious decision to do that rather than to innovate for their customers. Again, I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's motivated reasoning. I mean, he, you know, he, he has a fiduciary responsibility as a publicly traded company. Right. And like this, this, like it theoretically increases his, his company's value, you know? Uh, so like you can, and you could also like rationalize like, oh, no, it is. It is. It is illegal. It is, you know, like and so like you can have like in your worldview, a moralistic view on all this stuff, too, which makes it even more nefarious. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's I mean, it's just one oh one of how you play the game of government. And like this is kind of tough, too, for you because it's so niche within a niche, you know, like the pickums i remember when poker was they were trying to legalize poker here in illinois and like like the guys on two plus two were dia you know messaging me like make sure you ask them about 200 man sit and goes and stuff it's like <laughs> kid they don't know any of this stuff they don't know anything about poker like they don't know anything about dfs they don't know anything about pickums you know and so like this, this is this is just like as as i said the game is played they're there forever and 
And like the smaller the thing, the less the public has any clue on what is being finessed and, you know, massaged to fit their benefactors. It just happens over and over in every and every industry. Sin industries more so because they have this, 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 uh, you know, uh, guise of oh, we got to protect problem gamblers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and so they can get their hands in it even more without, uh, you know, somebody saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, like the this is a bookstore. You can't like require 18 or over into a bookstore, you know, like, but in gambling, there's just this old school, you know, Puritan value system that people just accept. No, it's gambling. So it's evil and they can do whatever they want because we shouldn't have it, you know, that kind of thing. So like, it's a tough, it's a tough game. Uh, Jeremy, I know you have to run. I uh, appreciate you giving us some of your time today. Uh, anytime you want to come back, talk about new developments with all this stuff, we'd uh, love to have you. And I know a lot of people in this audience care about this stuff. Any any other next steps for people or things they should keep an eye out for, or, you know, any ways they can help? No, I, I appreciate it. Really appreciate you guys chatting about this and, and helping bring this to light. And hopefully next time I'm back here, we're, we're talking about some of the fun new games we're building. Um, yeah. To the customers, it's about to be football season. Um, enjoy. Keep on enjoying, and, and we'll do everything we can to make sure that, that you can. Awesome, Jeremy. We will yeah. catch Thank you, you guys. next time. Appreciate Coming it. On. All right. That is Underdog CEO Jeremy Levine. Thank you to him for coming by there. You know, we did put out on Twitter because we're always, um, you know, equal opportunity. We did offer for Jason Robbins to come on in the same way that when there's the run pure sports, you know, we offer for hoop and big T to come on. So it's, it's like all the big network televisions. We're willing to provide a platform here on both sides. Right, Brian? Yeah. That, that law was rescinded a while ago that you're talking about, but <laughs> that used to be real. Yeah. That, they had to give equal, equal time to both, both parties. I wish, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I wish I wish I was wrong, and Jason would like have a nice de- you know debate. Yeah, that would be, I think that would be fun. Uh, but I but there's I, no I there's no upside for him. Right? He's not coming. There's no he stands to gain nothing, right? He could he only lose nothing. from it. Yeah. No, you just you tweet like he's doing. You tweet whatever the popular thing is of the moment. You know, politically, yeah. say you support it. Say competition's good, and then mm-hmm. you know use your power and influence behind the scenes to increase your market share. Yeah, it happens in every fucking industry, you know, not just gambling, but gambling. It's really like they played it so well. DraftKings, like Mm -hmm. they really did good, a good job, at least in Illinois. I don't know every other state states. I mean, they got they got a stranglehold on this bitch now. You know what I mean? Like, because once you get those land casinos, it's really tough for legislators to um, be impartial to out of state companies even though that's not right. Yep. Yeah. And it is, I mean, cause it, I, I remember, like I remember people marching in the streets of New York, you know, with, with that stuff, yeah. like they had everyone rallying around this cause. It was like, everyone could agree, like people should be able to fucking play fantasy sports, like relax. Um, but then as they, it, it is interesting to think how like DraftKings and FanDuel started as their own version of the underdog operators. And now the playbook they run on everything is what like mass corporations do huge ad blitz, you know, like they did with that huge lobbying power, like all of this stuff. It's like, you know, they carved the way and now they're pulling up the ladder uh, behind them because they can like, why, why wouldn't they? Like, it's not right per se, but like, that's what they're incentivized to do. Right. It's like stacking in DFS. Here we go. One-on-one it's business. (laughs) One-on-one.
You know, it's so obvious. It's I wish we had him for the full hour too, because I wanted to talk about limiting. I wanted to talk yeah. about, uh, you know, the draft caddy and, and you know why not why not allow the full auto draft? Uh, I'd like to see, you know at least argue my point of view on why he should allow it, and then yeah. uh, you know and and just uh, the ethics of gambling too. We didn't uh, you know I love talking about about that. It's tough. I imagine it's tougher. He probably couldn't talk about that. Because once you're actually an, the owner of one of these companies, like you got to play their game. Like you got to, yeah. you got to go like gambling anonymous, call 1-800, you know, all that shit uh, that they, they require you. And you can't like, uh, you, you know, you can't say anything I say on this too. Like, like look at the gambling addiction rates, look at the studies, like, right. Low, they're commiserate with a lot of other things. We don't regulate as high, as highly as we do gambling. Um he probably couldn't talk about, but well, I would at least bring it up, but there's just not enough time. Do you think DraftKings and FanDuel, like say underdog was pushing forward or were further along getting their full sports betting licenses. Like at that point, say they secure that. Do, does DraftKings and FanDuel give a shit about the pick'em games? Because it's like, they're, are they just trying to kind of throw the roadblock, you know, yeah. in front of them on their path to that? Cause ultimately they don't care about the pick'em. They just want to keep them out of the sports betting space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I'm like, if you're talking to a legislator, you, first of all, you have limited time. They're not, they're busy. They got a fundraise, right? Like they're, they, and so you got to give them a short quip that they can remember. And so something like they're doing these pickums, they're props. They're trying to act like a sports book. Got it. Understood. This pick them things, bullshit understood. Right. And so then that's what they're just gonna, they're just gonna be. It's not like, the legislator sitting down, going on underdog site and playing <laughs> around with it and researching props and pickums and DFS. You're saying the legislators aren't getting their draft caddy overlay to show them their weeks yeah. the matchups while he's drafting. emailing me like it shows inactive. How do I get this active? <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, Representative, I'll get to you shortly. Um, yeah, they're they're not doing any, any. They don't have time. They're not doing this research. They don't fucking care, anyways. Um, said sorry to say that, but it's it's basically true. And so as a lobbyist or whoever is chirping in their ear, you got to give them something short, brief that they can remember and use. And so like the, the pick them things, perfect. So you say the pick them things, sports betting, they're illegal. They should be illegal. And then, so like, then they'll work, they'll work. And if you're not on top of your game, they will pass something or, or have an agency a promulgated rule uh, to make that illegal. Um, and they'll do it overnight. They'll do it in veto session at the end of the year when no one's paying attention, they'll do it whenever, uh, they can pull it off usually through the power brokers, which is the, the, the speaker in the, in the Senate president. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you'll need both of them on board. Yeah. But yeah. And then, and then, and then once you have them, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to vote, vote for it. Uh, so like, that's why, like I was saying, like calling your local freshman, the Senator is not going to do a whole ton, uh, you know, the, cause they're usually just going to do what their caucus wants them to do. They're not doing mm-hmm. any research here. So, um, you know, uh, that's my, that, that's how, um, I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to lose. I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying like, that's like how the game's played and they're an underdog. <laughs> hey, to, uh. To, to, you know, to beat these big boys. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously he thinks that the letter of the law is a good angle for them right now. And maybe it is, maybe they can get like some, 
like lawsuit that quickly, you know, clarifies that they're they're legal and they can't change the law dramatically enough to make DraftKings old product illegal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like maybe they could play that game. That would be nice. And they'd be they'd be sitting they'd be sitting pretty there. Um I mean, I don't work there anymore. I haven't worked there in years, but it'd be interesting to, to hear what everyone's talking about. Do you think it's interesting? I, I do. We didn't get a chance to talk about this because we didn't have our show last week, but the other big news that broke was obviously the Barstool Pen gaming split, uh, Pen pairing up with ESPN. And, you know, one of the big, you know, subtexts of that story is just how hard it is to have a successful sports betting operation in America right now. It's like a really competitive space. I think a lot of people would have looked at Penn in their marketing arm with Barstool and said, you got the recipe for success here. Like, how do you not smash? Does it seem funny that like DraftKings and FanDuel are so paranoid about underdog when it's just like, go ahead, try to compete Barstool. And and these guys tried to, and they failed. Like we'll, we'll take on all comers. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's uh, starting your own podcast. Like I'm going to start. Yeah. Good luck. Let's see. Let's see. It's hard to just get people to freely listen to you. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I, that's a great point, Pete. I think though, when you, it's, it's like, um, when you have like a light switch or something so easy, you could just turn on to make it a little bit lighter in the room. Why wouldn't you turn it on? They had, they already put the money and honestly, I was I was kind of going to say this, but we're short on time. DraftKings does kind of have a right. I think all this stuff's bullshit, but I'm saying from their perspective, they're like, we've spent $1.2 billion in lobbying to get all this stuff passed so you can have underdog, right? I can imagine Robbins is sitting there thinking this. I, I, would, I would almost guarantee it. He's saying like, mm-hmm. we put on all the legwork so that you can even have your underdog, right? So like, this is ours. You know what I mean? Like they they would owe them like twenty percent back lobbying fees or something. Like in his head, I could see him rationalizing this. You know, something like that. And so he's like, okay, now that I have this this lever to pull, now I'm just gonna pull, fucking pull it. But you, hey, lobbyists you think it's something that we don't like on underdog and start passing it around. Right. And I could see them feeling that way, but it's also like they would be naive if they didn't realize that their ability to get to where they was because they got the UA to carve out because they were able to offer DFS games, right? Like that was the same stepping stool that got them there. And now they're trying to remove that stepping stool for people underneath them because they, I don't think DraftKings could have gone from scratch to sports betting, right? It really was the leveling up in building their business through fantasy acquisition. And it was in a much more nascent regulatory environment where they were able to get that where it's like they just would probably not have had the burn you know in the kind of funds to immediately get in the sports betting space without fantasy first right yeah i mean DraftKings paid a ton man like yeah. they had a lot of opposition to get to get DraftKings legalized and they they pulled it off somehow and 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 again i said like they're like a niche when within a niche so like yeah, people protested on the streets of New York for DFS. They're not protesting on the streets of New York, New York for pickups, you know, like, or it's highly right. unlikely. So, right. like, they did have the more grassroots phone calls and stuff that has a, like a slight effect, but not as much as most people think, in my opinion, anyways. So, like, there, it's, it's, this is going to be a behind the scenes game that they have to play, I would guess in in state by state basis and so you know go ahead and you know use the underdog platform to try to get your users to call their local 
uh, 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 legislators. But yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a behind the scenes game, like bar stool back to bar stool, really quick. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on it, Pete. But my brief one is I think that Penn f- fucked up. Like, I think ESPN's a dying brand. Uh, would they pay like bill- $1.2 billion or something? I'm not saying yeah. they had to stick with Barstool, but like right. paying all that money for ESPN to me felt like, uh, unless I don't know, ESPN's just going to turn into the gambling network, which would actually be kind of right. cool. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's like, ugh. Well, I, I agree with you because it almost seems like they just like wanted a mulligan on their first mistake, which was like they they were trying to get a really coveted audience, right, to funnel them onto the sportsbook. They were using Mar- Barstool as the marketing arm. Now they want to use ESPN as the marketing arm. But like when you actually look at their pitfalls, it seemed more to do with like the lack of innovation, how awful their app and user experience was. That's another thing we were kind of talking about with Jeremy. I mean, everything I heard, I never played on the Pen and Barstool app, but I heard it was awful like to navigate and stuff. And it's like, aren't you just kind of redoing what you already failed at as opposed to actually trying to innovate or rethink how you do sports betting in a competitive space? I've used their app. They're legal in Illinois. Yeah. And it, and it definitely sucks there. I use the browser more. It's easy, just easier. Just like just do it on the browser. Uh, But I did cash out. I'm like, well, what's going to happen here? I probably should cash out pretty, pretty soon before like they lock your funds up and they don't offer it anymore. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a um, great thing for Barstool. I, I don't know a lot about Barstool. I never listened to their podcast. I know they're a really polarizing uh, company, but uh, it seems like they kind of were like corporatized a little bit uh, from like reading mm-hmm. comments on Twitter. I, you know, again, I don't really follow a lot of their stuff. So them going back to just being able to say whatever they want seems like good for them and. Uh, I mean, I think it's good it's for their fans good for and the fans. good for the consumers, their content. But I mean, like it's, you know, I think pretty objectively not good for their overall company valuation. Right. I mean, the sports betting, that's the straw that stirs every valuation drink like in the in the sports space. So like they're always going to be handicapped from a mega evaluation now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he cares, though. Now, I think he got his bag. Yeah. I think he got the 500 million or whatever, and he doesn't need to sell anymore. And so yeah. he could just do whatever he wants. And also like that line between doing gambling content and owning a sports book yeah. and doing gambling content and not owning a sports book is gone now, which is good. So like, you know, he should be able to say whatever he wants now where before it's like this questionable thing. It's like, yeah, your parlay that you're promoting is clearly shitty and you own the sports book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who was it? What was the one that, uh, on that kind of ethical issue, was it Shams around the NBA draft who like works for FanDuel, but then was doing reporting on the order of picks that people were actually wagering on. And it was like, that's really starting to venture into dicey territory for how that works. And now isn't that same dynamic can be at play with ESPN and these guys reporting shit that then being like, by the way, if you get Wembenyana at minus 900 to be the first overall pick, which Woj is currently reporting to happen, like that seems really fucking dicey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally don't care, but I get it when people do care and want to, you know, get rid of, uh, have a strong line between the two. They might do something like that. ESPN bet is a complete separate company. They'll say, you know what I mean? They've actually probably will pull off some legalese to say, Oh no, 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 no. These are, these are two totally different things, but yeah, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Woj, you know, Woj moves lines and 
It's well, uh, be fun, actually. It, I think it's it's less it's more so that doesn't it bring up the ability for like corruption and and stuff like that too of insider trading elements the question is could you ever get down enough money to make it worth it like when we talk about like you can't pay off an nba player to throw a game because you know his overall like salary and you know life earning potential is not worth whatever you could offer but i do wonder if there are some scenarios with like reporting knowing how much you could drive your user base to go bet something like you're basically getting the volume down through thousands of users potentially with misinformation and reporting yeah i mean and they also broadcast like obscure sports too like that you actually could theoretically bet more than they make in a year well, and the thing when it when there is betting markets around s- things that are tied specifically not to random sports outcomes, but to information like who is going to be selected, you can really start to figure out how you could manipulate and encourage action, knowing the outcome of the event as the well-sourced reporter and the sportsbook side of it. I don't know; it's it's pretty crazy. You know, kind of connecting this to the underdog uh, discussion. Buying ESPN or, you know, getting involved with ESPN helps you on the legislative side, too, because ESPN, I'm sure, has tons of connections. Yep. And so, like, speaking of siloing off your competition, like, you know, you got ESPN giving out tickets to these legislators for 30, 40 years now, you know, these relationships they've built. And so, like, that could help that could help them try to crush, you know, their the, the smaller sports books. Another sports book was it Win? I think Win bets uh, pulled under. out of the market. Yep. That stinks. You know, we're you know it's kind of expected in this market when it's heavily regulated. The heavily, I mean, it's the we said it a million times on this show, but it's the regulation that's the problem. You know, uh, yeah, the the cost, the burden to entry is part of the reason your rake's so high. Like, because like otherwise, you know, Bet Online and Pinnacle and all these big offshore. Sp- Sports books wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be needed if there was, you know, free and open American uh, sports books. And occasionally, one of them would go under, and you get screwed. Yeah. But the trade-offs are well worth it, in my experience, in my opinion, throughout twenty some years of gambling. Well, it's like it's like when weed, right? Before weed was illegal, and you'd go and you'd have your your drug dealer where you buy the weed from, and then it's like, oh. Uh, weed's illegal. I'm going to go and, and buy it above board. It's easy. I can walk in a store. And then it's like, oh, well, now the stores are charging more. I'm actually going to go back to my dealer because it's just cheaper yeah, to buy happening. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hap- I know legislators <laughs> who pass those bills here in Illinois. I've had conversations yeah. with them. Like, why are they buying from there? I'm like, I'm like yeah. it's because the taxes are high. He's like, no, 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 that's not yeah. it. That can't be it. Like, okay, good luck, pal. Yeah, yeah it's the whole the whole. The whole thing. And they and it's really like motivated rationalization that, you know, they they earnestly think that like they get campaign contributions after they do the good thing. Like that's how they rationalize it. I mean, I told them firsthand. So like you pass the the marijuana bill and then you get money from the marijuana, the legal marijuana companies. Right. So it's like there's they in their head, there's no conflict of interest there. Yeah. Uh, But but. That's just motivated reasoning, in my opinion. Did you have a different answer 
to the question I asked um, Jeremy of like behind closed doors in the lobbying, is this all just going to come down to who spends the most? Or do you think there is optimism, room for optimism like he had that I'm going to trust that ultimately people will observe the the letter of the law, so to speak? Yeah, I, um, I, it's state by state. Who knows? Mm. Uh, I bet he could lose some states, win win other states. It's like in in, in Illinois, it's like it's not pro- like the lobbying's not proportionally distributed. So like some lobbyists have more influence, and it depends on like who's currently in charge, uh, on which lobbyist you want to hire, because they have a better relationship with the decision makers. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and and there's also like businesses that have more influence. Like you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck if Jeremy Reinsdorf is on your team, you know, on your side. Uh, and like the owner of Rivers Casino is a, you know, huge donor uh, in Illinois. And so what he's the one who was like, who's single-handedly has kept poker out of Illinois. Um, and so like, it's, you know, one man <laughs> so that we all can't play poker. And, yeah. and so, I mean, underdog, you know, you know what a win is a stalemate too. Mm. You can, you can, you can also, uh, you know, lobby enough to where the legislators are like, listen, they, they, you know, I know you want it, but they don't want it. You know, both sides don't want it. So we're not going to move on it this year. Like you might be able to push it off and push it off, but you got to stay there forever. Yeah. And isn't that, I mean, can DraftKings too, and they being like, you know, like from the stalemate angle and, oh, by the way, we'll make you bleed a ton of cash and you don't have as much cash as we do to spend on this. So it could potentially really cripple you. You think if underdogs working on like true innovation in the space, that's also expensive. It's like, why don't we just cripple them from a financial aspect too? When I was there, one lobbyist, one session, 10 grand, that's the cheap ones. So you got, you got. You know, who knows for the expensive ones, you know, double, triple that. And that was before the inflation, all this shit, you know, this was a while ago, 2017. It's the last year I worked there. So like now it's probably, you know, 40, 50 grand, one legislator per state per session. And that's not including video session. So, you know, let's say you're paying 60 grand for one legislator in in, in the bigger states, you're probably going to want more legislators, (laughs) lobbyists, um, uh, but I repeat myself, uh, where you're going to have to be paying, you know, like in New York or something like that, you probably want to, and you probably, it's probably cheaper in Wyoming. Right. Um, and, 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 uh, it depends on the casino, um, the amount of land-based casinos and the, uh, uh I think they're still called Indian casinos, <laughs> the indigenous casino, people's casinos, Pete, they have a lot of pull in those areas too. Yeah. So you're looking at, I mean, you know what, you know, what is that? Like, like say, let's say 70 grand per yeah. state per year. So you're just because I, I saw a bunch of random comments and everyone always asks this, like anytime there's anything about legal stuff, they say, why is underdog in this state, but not this state? And it's, it's the dynamic you're explaining right now, right? It's different on every state level and it's however much money or the certain licensing fees and all the regulatory hoops you have to jump for. And in some states that's easier to do than others. Is that what it boils down to? That's what I think it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know Iowa very well, even though they're right next to us, but they don't have underdog, I believe someone in check and fact check me. And so, uh, I'm a, I would assume that there is some sort of casino 
or some opposing interest who's blacking that out, who has a lot of power and influence. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe the temperament, like like Utah is like notoriously anti-gambling community. It's just the temperament of the people, the legislators don't want to touch it. Yeah. Maybe it's like that. And I won't. So like that can happen. Uh, but it's, it's you almost always, uh, some sort of interest of a powerful, uh, a, a, a powerful person with connections and, and that's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. You know, we were talking, using like the weed example of another thing that got legalized. It, it probably was easier for that to like snowball legally across the country because there wasn't really a monopoly, right? Like there was no draft kings of weed that was like, let me keep out the little mom and pop, you know, garden remedies shop down here. I just think it's interesting seeing those parallels where if it's like everyone was on equal footing, we probably could have gotten this legal in, in more states if these guys weren't pulling up the ladder in every state once they locked up one of the few licenses or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, it's essentially the map. It's the mob with voting. And so like what they'll do is I'm, I'll predict this. I'll predict this now if they're not already doing it. The, the lax laws on, on weed will, will change. So they'll lobby to really go after underground drug sellers and people buying from them. That that's here. That's my prediction. So like they'll, mm. they'll try to ramp up the punishment for that and make it, and because the government now will do the bidding of the company that's paying their bills. Yeah. And so they'll go, you know, they'll go to the legislator, like I'm paying all this taxes and uh, I can't sell anything because, you know, our prices are so high, but you guys won't lower taxes. You got to do something about these local street, the street people. And, and uh, so, so mark my words, five years from now, you'll start seeing a lot of, uh, oh my God, look what, ha- look what happened in all this this group of people who were arrested for uh, selling, just selling marijuana. Yeah. It is like, you know, as we wrap up here, it is like a very interesting spot underdog is in of like in certain respects with the fantasy element and they can play the literal underdog card, but then as they move into being a sports betting operator, then they are going to have to start doing things. Like you were mentioning, we're going to talk about limiting accounts and things that the big boys do to have successful sports betting operations. And it is interesting in the same way, you know, it's like DraftKings and their party line and their, uh, you know, uh, objectives have changed as they've morphed from a fantasy company to a sports betting company. It will be interesting to see how underdog has to navigate that too, because they're kind of going to be straddling the line from both sides of that here really soon. And it's all connected because you wouldn't be able to limit if there was no regulations and there was a hundred different underdogs. Right mm-hmm. now, though, they wouldn't be as good as underdog. They'd have shitty interfaces, right? They'd have. But when you have that man money companies pulling from the player pool, you got to like start accepting people uh, who who might be uh, have a have an edge. And, you know, but once you start, you know, uh, increasing the regulations, uh, then they don't really have to because you got nowhere else to go. So um, it's all connected. I, I mean, I, I would be interested to hear. Uh, I think Levitan did a pod with him, and I haven't yeah. listened to it. I put it on the the podcatcher, but I still haven't listened to it. And I think they talked about it. So I'd be interested in to, to hear his take on it. I My take on it, I've said it before, but I mean, 
in a completely unregulated society, I, I, I would say that they have every right to limit and ban me and whoever else. It's their company. It's their property. Yeah. But in a super highly regulated one, I don't think they do. And I, uh, because it's a public private partnership essentially, because it's so highly regulated. And I would say like that legislators, if they had, if they were moral, moral, or even, you know, if they were, you know, on, on the side of the constituents, they wouldn't allow, uh, there would be some, at least looking into how small are you limiting? How many people are you banning? You know, they would at least look into it. If not, then maybe require them to, to like have some sort of decent minimums on the limits or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would much rather prefer no regulation and just let the chips fall where they may. And some, some of them, some of them would ban us and some of them wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, one last thing here. Yeah. Ryan had wanted to, uh, to see you ask Jeremy about the bot tool. Do you yeah. think, uh, do you think your tool is even on Jeremy's radar specifically, or do you think that he I made it all the way up to him? Doubt it. I doubt yeah. he, well, I'm sure he, I'm sure Maybe. the day that uh, it seemed like there was a big uh, to do over the, the, when I first did it, like, they didn't, they yeah. didn't like it. So it was probably that first day. And then he probably forgot about it. Have, did, and you said though, you've gone and hired your bot lobbyist at 10 K a day and you're I lobbying did. to have your bot allowed yeah. on these sites. Well, they're actually the ones behind the banning of the pickums, And so <laughs> I will <laughs> relinquish that yeah. if you trade me for, for the full bot tool. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you, if you subscribe to uh, the draftcaddy.com, all your funds will go to lobbyists to preserve the bots <laughs> rights. <laughs> um, anything else here, uh, Brian, uh, I enjoyed getting to talk to Jeremy. It's a bummer. We couldn't do a longer form conversation, but he's obviously yeah. a very busy guy. Yeah. Hopefully we can get him back for a full hour and then we can ease him in, you know, get him comfortable, right? <laughs> That's our strategy, Pete, let him talk and comfortable. And then we grill him. Um, right. Uh, what, what was I going to say? The, uh, I mean, you just made me think of it'd be, it, it, it still would be interesting to do a, a players lobbying group, like a players union, everyone pitches yeah. in, we hire lobbyists yes. to get, you know, to stop the limiting, to like actually have a, a seat at the table on some of this stuff. Yeah. Like it, this is the game. That's the, if you want, you know, that's how you play the game. You don't call your local legislator. It's not going to do shit. Like you got to get in and, and we're disorganized majority and you always, you know, a, an organized minority always beats a disorganized majority. So like we're basically screwed as customers. But well, it, it is a harder rallying cry from the people. Like when we talk about people like marching in the streets of New York, it was like, man, we really enjoy playing DFS. Like, do not take this away from us. It's a little harder to get people marching in the streets for your right to play pickums. You know, like it's just, I think from a macro narrative, it's not as clean of a rallying cry. I, I totally agree. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to get in the trenches uh to to win this one but like if it's only wyoming and maine like that's kind of that's pretty good so maybe they're just sounding the alarm bells early to get it on people's radar how how much does it work brian like obviously with legal stuff like when there's precedent established in a case like that actually helps out a ton in future cases when a domino falls in one state does that help at all in another state being like, look what they did over here in Michigan. Like we can do the same thing here. Like they all saw the logic of this. Why don't we do this? Or is there just like no rhyme or reason of like, Hey, they can do whatever they want over there, but we, we don't give a shit. No. Yeah. It's, it, it is exactly rhyme. Uh, they like, like we, we would, we would carbon copy 
I'm not even kidding. Uh, really? The legislation from other states and replace California with Illinois. Control F. That's California. it. We control F, copy it, change it, and then you send it over to legal. Then they actually put in the actual references to the Illinois, the ILGO references. Wow. And then you take it in um, to the Legislative Reference Bureau, and then they and then they double check it and tell you you're an idiot. If someone else did all the work. Why would you need to reinvent the wheel? Yeah, yeah sure. Definitely. I mean, it's like part of the legislator, um, the legislative staff's job to constantly uh, be looking at bills passed related to your agency in other, other states and you copy it. Or if you want it gone, you like say, oh, look how poorly it's working in this, this other yep. state. Uh, so yeah, I mean, not only just other countries too, sometimes like Canada law and they, yeah, they, they just copy it. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I just didn't, I guess I was trying to hint at like, is there some kind of domino momentum effect of like, Hey, this got, you know, legalized in these two States and now other States are gonna be like, Hey, these guys already did it. They already laid out the legal framework. Let's just control F and do this ourselves because it does still seem so slow moving by a state by state basis. And that's, that's the game. That's yeah. the game just takes, could take years. Um, I mean, hopefully that's the stalemate that they can they can play to that just draws it out for years. Mm-hmm. Then they then they get their licenses or whatever for the sports betting, and it's like whatever. You know, once they have that, do they really care about pickums that much? You know? Yeah. Um, it, that's what. Yeah. Yeah. So if they could draw it out, if they could they can take that process. Um, and, and you know, I mean, there's also like you know, the longer it takes, the more, the more, the more money you're getting uh, for your campaign contributions from the legislators. Again, motivated reasoning. Yeah. If it's a contentious issue, uh, you can, you can, you can, you can uh, rack up the the donations. Uh, Slightly switching gears, Ryan, I realized uh, my guy um, O'Malley is fighting UFC Saturday in, in my backyard. Here in oh, here in really? Boston, yeah, you're gonna have are you gonna have MMA ownership? I might have to. Uh, I will, yeah. Projections and ownership. Uh, oh man, who's he fighting again? It's a good fight. Sterling, too. I think he's an underdog. Who who is it? Sterling. Oh oh god, yeah. Yeah. He's the champ. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be kind of rough for Sean yeah. O'Malley. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah, but you got you always got to factor in the rigging. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it is like, does feel like a very Boston thing. Sean yeah. O'Malley, you know, they're playing the fucking dropkick Murphy's as he struts in there at the garden. Yeah. 90, 99% of rigging complaints on Twitter are laughable. Except yeah. in MMA. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I don't think he won that fight. Yeah. Um, anything else going on in your uh, neck yeah. of the woods with the with the app and stuff? Yeah, the draftcaddy.com. We've done uh, a bunch of updates. You can upload your own custom ADP now for the bot if you want. And you can like you could select Q, which will just suggest a player or Wait, what, on DraftKings. Custom ADP. What would so that like be? you can upload Karain's for uh, rankings or oh, can, rankings. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, rankings, not ADP, and 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 it'll it'll still work and suggest a player, or you could turn on full auto on DraftKings and it'll just pick a team for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we do? Oh, I got Week 15 on there. Uh, week 15 opponent. Um, I know Pete, you were looking for that. Yeah, Week 15. Did you say that's up now? I, because I I need to. Get, why don't Dude, you tell me, Brian? I I I'm I've been busy. <laughs> I'm not good at that. Good at this. Uh, DJ, our boy. NHL uh, pucklock.com. He gave us 
his projections and rankings for NHL. So oh, if anyone nice. does underdog uh, NHL, you could you could select those. And we're probably eventually going to have the auto drafter for NHL too. Um, mm. That's it. But football is obviously the king right now. So we got to – oh, and I think we'll have drafters auto uh, drafting up pretty soon. But mm-hmm. I know there's like a ton of overlay on drafters right now, like 70% or something. Yeah. But the the uh, overlay does work on drafters right now, so yep. like weeks, you know, all that all that info. So sweet, uh, appreciate you guys. Also, I was showing Brian before the show. You know, uh, I'm I'm slow to getting uh, new Lowell's merch up, but we do have a new one in here. I finally got some pint glasses, Brian. So if people want their Lowell's pint glass, I feel like these came out pretty pretty slick here. I'll drop the link down below you can always get free shipping with promo code pete over 50 dollars if you want to tack on some other things but uh i'm ready to have a frosty brew out of a lowell's pint glass brian i like it i'm gonna pick one up we could do what about uh piss boys and then they're pissing into the cup (laughs) yes just the the imagery i need for what i'm taking a sip um although some of those ipas it might as well be piss brian Um, all right. Appreciate you guys. Uh, my schedule tonight, uh, I got the randomizer draft with Rotopat. That'll be at 8 PM. And then over on ship chasing at 10 PM, we are doing a high stakes draft with Sean Siegel. Uh, anything else for you, Brian? No, no one asked me to do anything. So I'm no more content to the next level unless somebody asks me. There you go. Ask Brian to do your show. He'll, he'll love it. We'll talk to you guys later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.